What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Your Denver Nuggets defeated the Golden State Warriors 120-114 on Christmas Day to improve their record to 22-10. and Um... It was a interesting game. It was, in fact, it was probably one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. And the 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 Christmas slate was in in itself kind of boring. Um, the 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 first game ended up with the Knicks basically leading most of the game and 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 beating the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, obviously, the Nuggets in the second game beat the uh, uh, Golden State Warriors, probably the most competitive game of the day. Uh, the next game was the uh, Celtics and the Lakers, and the Celtics pretty easily uh, uh, defeated the um, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the Heat and the uh, the Sixers were both without stars. The the Heat were without Jimmy Butler, and the uh, Sixers were that were without Joel Embiid. And uh, obviously, they uh, the the Heat won that game. In the nightcap, the uh, the the Dallas Mavericks pulled away in the fourth quarter to beat the Phoenix Suns. And none of the games were particularly super competitive. I like I said, the Nuggets and the the Warriors was the most competitive one, but even that one was weird. It was a weird day for the NBA. Um, so the Nuggets won, and with Jokic, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, hitting uh, eighteen of eighteen free throws. Um, this has been well worn ter- territory by other people. Um, uh, my interpretation of what Jokic was doing stemmed from something different than the way people are interpreting this. I don't think Jokic went into this game with the intention to quote-unquote grift. And and he was doing that, folks. I mean, he, particularly that third quarter. Oh, my God. Um, but... It, 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 I don't think he went into the game with that game plan. I think that manifested itself by in the first quarter. The uh, Suns were really heavily doubling Jokic. And obviously that was leaving Porter open. It was leaving Jamal open. It was leaving KCP open. And sometimes Aaron Gordon. The Nuggets were able to do some things in that quarter. Not, Jokic really wasn't setting out to... to uh, uh, do uh, much. I think it was going to be a pretty standard, low-key uh, Nikola Jokic game. Towards the end of this first quarter, and if you watch this, Jokic was fouled a lot. And it, I believe it, that if you if you listen to the coaches' interviews, sometimes they give you a, a weird insight into the way people are thinking. They were, uh, Steve Kerr was interviewed at the end of the uh, first quarter. Well, yeah, in between quarters. And Kerr mentioned that how he, how he was uh, pleased with the, uh, the, the Warriors not fouling. And that was an, it was an interesting thing to me because what I noticed, particularly with Jokic, was they were fouling him, particularly towards the last part of his stint in the first quarter, pretty heavily, and I think he ended up the quarter one of four or something like that. Or it was something like that. It wasn't, it, wasn't it wasn't a big number. I think he finished the first quarter with two points. And it was something that I think that manifested itself during the game. And, and I think Jokic 
flip the switch. And you noticed when he came back in in the second quarter, Jokic began selling his contact a lot more than he ever does. And then particularly in the third quarter, it reached a pretty big crescendo. Um, and Jokic wasn't hitting shots. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, and I mean, here's a, here's what's going on, folks. There was probably one or two fouls, uh, maybe maybe three fouls that the um, that were committed on Jokic that weren't actually you could they were borderline which you would interpret in fouls. Most of them were actually fouling him. The worst part was Jokic selling it as much as he does. We're not used to seeing that in Denver, right? We're not used to seeing the amount of selling, particularly from Jokic. I mean, there's other guys who will sell. By and large, the Nuggets aren't a flopping team. They um, Gordon doesn't flop. Um, the uh, Jamal Murray doesn't accentuate. Certainly not Michael Porter Jr. Um, <clears throat> those guys don't tend to do that sort of thing. So the Nuggets, um, because of the way the NBA officiates, you have to make an example of yourself and you have to call attention to yourself. So when you're fouled, um, you have to scream, yell, flop, flail your arms or something like that. And one thing that has not benefited Nikola Jokic, aside from the fact that back to the basket centers in the league just don't get any sort of benefit of the doubt. And, he, and I, I explained that in a podcast uh, about two or three podcasts ago. It's just it's just the way the N, the NBA is. They're, the rules interpretations are completely askew now due to the way the, how the league is played. I t- went over that. Um, check that out, that podcast. Um, go look back in the archives on Apple or Spotify, and you'll find, um, you'll find what I talked about. It was like one or two podcasts ago. And... So Jokic doesn't tend to do that, but what he was doing, and which is what, which is what was so alien to all of us, was watching him actively sell his uh, his foul drawing, um, and in a game he was like really didn't shoot well at all. He ends up with twenty six points. And all of us in Denver are not used to that. And that, and that really was the primary reason the game was so weird. You know, the, and another part of this was Clay and Steph were, I think, a combined 6 of 23 shooting threes. Um, in fact, Clay Thompson was 3 of 10, which was Michael Porter Jr.'s uh, uh, percentage on what he was shooting. The difference is Mike had a better game. Than Clay did. Clay Clay's to the point where if he's not hitting his shot, he's almost worthless. Um, no offense to Clay, um, he's but he's just at that age now where he just he needs to be hitting his shots in order to contribute. And obviously, Mike had four blocks and ten rebounds uh, to go with nineteen points. But this really isn't about Mike. This is the tone and tenor and weirdness of the game. The, the game was strange. It was a, it was an odd vibe to watch the game. And I think it, a lot of it, I think I would say a good 80 to 90% of it was watching Jokic actively sell foul calls, which we're not used to seeing. Uh, I don't like it personally. Um, and I made some several snarky comments about it on Twitter. I'm not going to lie because it's one of those things that you, you want people to be able to get foul called at a fair rate based on not trying to actively sell in a league that doesn't reward you for either A, having your back to the basket, or B, 
uh, not flopping and flailing like uh, Joel Embiid or some of these other guys do, or screaming at the top of your lungs. Um, so it becomes it becomes the theater of the absurd, and really that's what NBA foul calling is. It's the theater of the absurd, and I think people at this point should should be to be, you know, Steve Kerr went out there after the game. Nuggets fans are up in arms because Steve Kerr calling out the the the, the way officiating happens. Look, I, people need to just kind of let that go. Steve Kerr's is doing what he, it takes for his team right there because what he's covering for is Clay and Steph going a combined 6 of 23 shooting threes and distracting from the fact that the Nuggets Nuggets particularly uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Michael Board Jr., played really good defense on Stephen Clay. And that is something that he definitely wants. Mean, Steve Kerr is not an idiot, folks. He's not an idiot. He is playing to an audience that is comprised entirely of people who live in the Bay Area, okay? There is a there is a, a audience that he needs to speak to to distract from the fact that the Nuggets were playing really good defense on on both uh, Steph and Clay, And the easiest thing to do is to embiidize uh, Nikola Jokic, which is something that Nikola Jokic did. So don't worry about uh, Steve Kerr. I mean, it, it, he's, he's, he does that sort of thing. Um, and he does something that I wish Michael Malone would do more of, and which is play to the theater of the thing. Because the Nuggets will be playing the Golden State Warriors in Golden State, and I think in the last meeting of the year that they have in January, which is insane, um, on the January 4th, 4th or 5th, I think right around there, it's the 4th because they play a back-to-back with the uh, with the Orlando Magic the next day in Denver. Oh, my God, that's going to be brutal. Um, but they, they, the Nuggets will be going to Golden State. The Nuggets have already, already won the season series with them, so they don't have uh, a lot of incentive to, to play a certain way on it. I think this is a game that it was being set up for both the audience of, of people who live in the Bay Area and to set up a conditions to where it's officiated differently in Golden State, um, which is whatever. I don't, I don't think the Nuggets will particularly care if the officiating is completely one-sided when the Nuggets go play them in Golden State. Um, and it's going to be interesting to, to watch how Jokic very specifically behaves with fouls going forward now that this was so effective. Um, because he believes, rightly, that his whistle is not as unfavorable as, any, as, as a lot of these other stars. Um, it's, <clears throat> it's not favorable because Jokic doesn't sell, and he sold, and he got 18 free throws. Now, one of the things, one of the things that hasn't been said, didn't wasn't said by Steve Kerr, was Jokic was 18 for 18, and he kept getting fouled. Right? Not even Joel Embiid is hitting 18 for 18 on three free throws. That was 100% that did not go. <clears throat> excuse me, that did not go said yesterday. Was that Jokic was one one hundred percent at the line? 
You know, that's some elite level shit right there. And he hasn't been great at the line this year because he's getting there so, so infrequently. But uh, this was something that, that uh, was 100% a great foul, you know, free throw shooting, you know, percentage experience for Jokic. And he kept getting fouled and he kept selling it and he kept hitting the free throws, right? Um, so the Nuggets won by six points in a game that uh, Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson win a collective six for 23 from three. Once again, that's probably the reason they lost. And um, where Nikola Jokic went 18 for 18 from the line. Not a many other Nuggets went to the line other than Jokic. So, I mean, there wasn't exactly a huge free throw disparity between the, the the Golden State Warriors and the Nuggets. So it was one of those things where it was just exaggerated because Jokic sold it in a way that made us all uncomfortable. We're not used to that sort of thing. And our unease with that, is directly due to Jokic's behavior prior to yesterday, uh, Christmas. Everything prior to that didn't give us any indication that Jokic was going to actively grift like he did. To grift or not to grift, that is the question here. And I'm going to be very interested to see how Jokic behaves going forward because it's uh, now that this was so effective, um, I'm wondering if he will be inclined to take this course of action going forward. We'll see. All right, before I get to the second half of the podcast, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown. Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coursefield, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're, all, they're always online to BFW Colorado. Dot com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, the great wines there. Um, like I said, a few weeks ago, I went to their uh, fifth anniversary party. It was some great stuff, great vibe, great atmosphere. Uh, everyone had a good time. Um, and it was such a great uh, time to sample all the different wines they got. They got this pearl wine from uh, uh, Western Slope that they have a partnership with that they make. It's a um, Blanchard Family Wines uh, branding. is really, really good. It's, it's very sharp, but it's very, very, it's, it's, it's both sharp and sweet. It's really good. Um, and, but they also have uh, your traditional reds. They also got your traditional whites and rosés and all that stuff. They have everything you need in your favorite local wine bar. They got a location in Fort Collins. They got a location, a uh, private tasting room in Golden. And of course, their original location in Sonoma County. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blend Your Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. The Nuggets, as I, I've pointed out this, before, you know, the last podcast, but the Nuggets schedule is obviously going to get significantly easier. In fact, as of the the end of the first week of January, the Nuggets don't have another back to back for quite a while. The Nuggets, the, the schedule is going to be nice and spaced out, and with every is going to be on an every other day track. And the Nuggets are going to get some uh, right now. They don't play again until Thursday. So not having another game until Thursday is going to benefit them right now. And then they got immediately into a home back to back um, with the Grizzlies and then the uh, the Thunder. I'm going to be interested to see how the Nuggets play that. They may. Um, I'm one, actually very interested to see if the, how the Nuggets play that. Um, 
but the 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 schedule, as I said, has not been their friend to start the season, and now it's starting to open up, and you'll see the possibilities. Despite the issues, the Nuggets have won eight of the last nine games, which is pretty incredible. Um, they have won five in a row, eight of the last nine. And when you think about it, they should have won the Thunder game. So it should be nine in a row right now. Um, they are really on a roll, and they haven't looked great. And that's the that's the interesting thing about this, is that everything is stacked up against the Nuggets this year, would be from Jamal's injury, from Mike hurting his ankle in, uh, in uh, I believe it was training camp, and sitting out the entire preseason. Um, between the schedule being extremely p- compressed, and as I said before, by the time you get to the first of the year, for the first day of the year, the Nuggets will have played uh, 35 games, which is more than anyone in the league. Um, right now, um, everyone else has one last game, not including the in-season tournament game that the Pacers and the, uh, and the Lakers played. Uh, everyone who's closer to the Nuggets sits at 31. The Nuggets are at 32 right now. This is going to change a bit with the Nuggets having three days off. But still, the Nuggets, by the, with the addition of a back-to-back and um, and then another back-to-back right at the beginning of the new year, um, they will have played a ton of games. But the upshot of that is that the schedule will open up quite a bit. But the point I'm making is, despite all those issues, the Denver Nuggets have really come through. They've really kind of persevered through this in a way that um, I don't think that I th- is, has been fully appreciated considering the injuries and the youth. And I keep pulling this out, and people like really get upset at me at this for me pointing out that the youth issue on this team is, is contributing to the... Um, to the to, to the, what's going on, but a combination of all of that, and the Nuggets are twenty two and ten, with a winning the la- eight of the last last nine games. Now, that's pretty pretty remarkable, cons- all things considered. And uh, we are now thirty two games into the year, so we are heading, uh, we are in the downhill race towards the halfway point of the year. And it's interesting to see that because, you know, by the time we get to January 1st, it'll be the Nuggets will have played 35 games. The halfway point of the year is 41. And by the time we get to February, it'll be, the Nuggets will be, what, 50-something games into the year uh, at the All-Star break? I mean, that's pretty incredible. A lot of games played. The NBA is going to have to figure out some things. And this isn't a, just with the Nuggets. This is going to have to be figured out. It's because you know they're committed to the in-season tournament. The in-season tournament, they are they are bound and determined to make this a thing. If they weren't, they wouldn't have bullied the Los Angeles Lakers into hanging that stupid banner up at uh, at uh, whatever the formerly Staples Center. So. The, the NBA is committed. They are fully committed to this in-season tournament. They want to make, desperately to make it a thing, despite ratings not really being that much different. Um, so what what is they're going to have to do is figure out how they can space out the schedule um, and make it less about compressing everything, you know, the 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 last the last part of the year is going to benefit the Denver Nuggets. Other teams who played the in season, I mean, look at the Lakers and the Pacers. They have not been great since they played that uh, tournament game in Vegas. 
Uh, I don't know what the reasons are for that. I'm, I'm suspecting that it's just a level of emotional commitment that you have, uh, that you choose to impart that can influence how you respond after you have to play a quote unquote tournament game during the year. The Lakers have struggled to come back. The Lakers are completely healthy and they've rested people, but I mean, they've rested, rested LeBron and, uh, and, uh, Anthony Davis. But what we've seen is a big drop off in play. They were just beat by the Celtics. And by the way, the Celtics look really good. Um, they take far too many threes for my liking, but they're really good. Um, that, that, uh, Chris Depp's Porzingis is low key, the MVP right now of the Boston Celtics. When he plays that team is, is a juggernaut, an absolute juggernaut. Um, Dan, um, uh, the, uh, uh, Brad Stevens might may end up being executive of the year, I think just for getting Chris Depp's Porzingis in there with the Celtics. That, that was, that it is turning out not right now, you know, health considered by the way, because with, with Porzingis health is always a consideration, but if you, you know, that could turn out to be one of the moves, one of the moves we have seen. That's, that's the, the Celtics look really, really, really good. Um, so, but the Lakers lost to the Celtics, the, um, the Sixers lost, and the Sixers are dealing with Joel Embiid supposedly having a bad ankle, and you saw against the Heat that Tyrese Maxey, they couldn't overcome Tyrese Maxey trying to do everything, which is something to watch with uh, the Sixers. Um, but regardless of all this, the Sixers haven't played the compressed schedule the Denver Nuggets have. Um, there's been less against the Sixers than Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets have played a very adversarial schedule. And one of the things that is, is going to be fascinating is that the schedule being so much more friendly, at least in terms of rest and spacing and all that stuff, they still have a, I think they have a five game road trip, um, sometime in January. Uh, I believe that is the later January, the one they played, they go through the East coast trip. But the East Coast trips are different. East Coast trips are no travel, basically. You you go from one game to another, and it's you, it's 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 not exactly like the West where you have to get on a plane. And if you're going to the Pacific Northwest, it's a long flight or anything like that. This is a this is different. So the Nuggets schedule is very friendly, and I, th- I think some of this is the penance being paid for playing so many, not penance, but this is the, uh, the reward for playing so many games to start the year. I've never seen a Nuggets, the Nuggets team play this many games and they've had ton of back-to-backs, ton of back-to-backs this year, an insane amount in a very short time span. They got one this week and one next week. And then they don't have any one. I don't believe until March. That's <laughs> that's just that's just nuts. The the way the NBA does these schedules is just is beyond me. But it's going to help the Nuggets. Despite all that, the Nuggets have won eight of the last nine. Uh, they play Memphis and then they play the Thunder, and it's going uh, this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see how how they approach this back to back. Um, and I'm 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 very curious. I think the Nuggets have done very well 
considering the odds that have been stacked up against them, you know. Uh, and Jokic particularly, you could tell he's kind of had it with certain things. He's a te- he's not temperamental. He he just he wears his. You can tell how what he's feeling. Um, based on how he reacts to things. I'll just leave it like that. Uh, Jokic is, is a fairly transparent human being. Um, so so the Nuggets are in a good spot. They're second in the West. They have as many wins as the uh, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, who've played four last games. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see the schedule catch up with the... And the Nuggets have I've played 18 road games, and I think the Timberwolves have only played 15... No, no, no. They've played, they played fourteen. I think they played, they've played, they played one more home game than the Nuggets and uh, three less road games. So I mean, come on, you know the schedule is going to catch up to the Wolves. It's going to catch up to a lot of different play, uh, teams. Uh, some teams have played a home, home heavy parts of the uh, of the early season. The Nuggets have played a road. I wouldn't call it road heavy. It's not like 2013 when they played a ridiculous amount i think it was 23 road games in their first 32 i think it was 2013 if i remember correctly i'm gonna have to look back on that um and so so we'll see we'll see how the nuggets go here i'm very interested to uh see how they start resting people um the nuggets really have been adverse to resting unless it's at the end of a year so i'm wondering if they adapt to the way the schedule unfolded and uh look to get some guys like jamal specifically and michael Porter jr who by the way kudos to mike playing every single one of the 32 games this year mr three back surgery himself give it up to michael porter jr i don't know if that necessarily that's the wisest thing in the world that he has chosen to do he probably could be someone who could benefit from some west but uh you know, it's a kudos to Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I think he's uh, really stepped up this year, and like not every game is going to look pretty, but uh, he's been there every single game. So, all right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. Uh, I'll be back in a couple days with another episode. Goodbye.